Electrical overload. I can fix that. Coolant's leaking. Try transferring auxiliary power to secondary, secondary tank. tank. I got it. Chewy, uh, uh, come on! Uh, I need help with this giant hairy thing! Stop moving! You hurt Chewy, you're gonna deal with me! Hurt him? He almost killed me six times! Which is fine! This hyperdrive blows are gonna be pieces of us in three different systems. What'd you do? I bypassed the compressor. Do we have any Star Wars fans in the room? Are there any? There are a few of us. Oh, yeah, we got some Star Wars fans. I did not grow up watching Star Wars, uh, but I did start to get into it this past year, and my mind has been blown. I've watched the movies like 10 times, and I still don't understand half of what's going on. Uh, but it's, it's seriously like a cult mentality. If you're a Star Wars fan, I feel like you are all in, and I love that about the universe that they uh, get to watch. And so, uh, hi, my name's Haley Shepherds. I'm the outreach minister here at Hope Ames. I've been around uh, for about four years now. I'm also a seminary student, so I go to Wartburg Theological Seminary, uh, and I'm on my last semester. So a lot of you have been on this journey with me <laughs> for a long time. So I'm really excited to be here with you all today to wrap up the last uh, sermon series for our series, Let Me Tell You a Story. And so, of course, I had to bring in one of the best stories, Star Wars. And Star Wars actually illustrates so many biblical themes. And so this actually aligned perfectly with our Bible reading uh, today. And so I'm really excited to dive in. That clip that you saw was actually from one of the Star Wars movies called The Force Awakens. And so it's actually what the book of Acts could be called because this Holy Spirit descends upon the disciples and they are sent out, and we'll talk more about that. But this woman in this movie, her name's Ray, and her partner, Han Solo, are part of this group called the Resistance. And so there's this evil force in the empire, this galactic empire, and they're part of this resistance trying to bring freedom to oppressed people. Sounds a lot like the Bible, right? And so we're going to be diving into this. Uh, in that clip, they're escaping from some enemies, and you see that Han Solo is this guy who claims to be the best pilot in the entire universe. Um, and then you see Ray, this, this gal who is in this story, and what uh, Han Solo doesn't know about her is she actually grew up as an orphan, and so she scavenged uh, these different ship parts to survive. And so she actually knows ships better than Han, and you can see that look of surprise on his face as he's shocked that she's able to bypass the compressor, and he probably had no idea how to fix the problem. Uh, maybe you're one of those people that seems to always think that they're right. I know I catch myself in that situation sometimes. Maybe you're elbowing the person next to you and saying, yep, <laughs> you fall into that trap. Uh, but throughout this, we can see, uh, we can see that Han Solo um, oftentimes not only thinks he's right, but he will tell people that he's right. Um, I know a lot of you, maybe you have a shirt that says, you know, mama knows best, or maybe, you know, dad's always right. Uh, I know my mother is oftentimes reminding me that she is right, and she usually is. Uh, maybe you're one of those people uh, who has a system, you know, I know the right system, the right way to do things, and this is the way. Maybe it's something as simple as, you know, there's a right way to load the dishwasher. Does anyone have that? I know I definitely do. And so we're looking at this, the story of The Force Awakens and this experience with Ray and Han, and we'll kind of incorporate this into our story today. Um, they go on this adventure, and they kind of stumble into doing things, um, and they kind of just find their way, and sometimes life feels like that for us as Christians. We're just kind of finding our way, and we kind of are like, God, where are you? What's going on? And we're going to see that in this story. And so you'll see throughout this movie, these two begin to change in ways maybe they didn't expect 
and maybe that they're called to something even greater. And so we'll see uh, how, do they rise to this occasion? Do they fall? Where do they fail? Um, is it, do they fail because of the, themselves? Um, or is it a team effort? And so I love that this book, this book of Acts focuses on kind of this awakening of, we read that the book of Acts is actually a two-part story. So if you remember the Gospel of Luke, we've got four Gospel accounts. Acts is like a part two to the Gospel of Luke. And so it's written by the same author. And so if you think about the book of Acts, you can think about it if you're a Star Wars fan, as the Force Awakening. We get to see what happens after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And that's kind of what Luke focuses on. What does Jesus do and teach? And then we move to the book of Acts. And we get to see this new story about these disciples, these Jesus followers. Um, oftentimes, you'll hear them referenced as Jesus followers as they say, we follow the way. Christianity wasn't a word yet in this story. We'll see it a little bit later. But if someone came up to you and said, hey, I follow the way, would you like to join? You'd probably be a little, little hesitant. Um, similar to, you know, I'm a Star Wars fan. You want to join? <laughs> uh, we see a lot of hesitancy there. And so that's kind of the background of where we jump into the story. Jesus, right after his death and resurrection, he taught his disciples, his followers, for 40 days. And he promised them that this gift would come, this power of God, this presence of the Holy Spirit. And so we see the Holy Spirit descend upon the disciples, and they go and do some crazy things. It makes me think about the resistance in Star Wars. Now, if we think about Jesus and we think about what he came to do and what he taught, that really informs everything about the story I'm going to dive into today. We need to remember that you are the body of Christ, and that's why the Holy Spirit came. We remember in the book of Luke, we see, we see that Jesus offers this wine and this bread to his disciples and says, this is my body, this is my blood offered for you. But then we see also in this Luke gospel, at right before our story that comes is that the disciples are now a part of Jesus. They are part of the body of Christ. It wasn't just the physical bread and wine. They are now joined to him spiritually and physically. And this promise of the Holy Spirit, this force came down on the disciples and it awakened them. And so we see the disciples are kind of wondering, what's the goal here, Jesus? All right, now you're gonna send us out. You're gonna send us to do something new, a new way. And the disciples ask, when is the kingdom of God going to be restored? Now, if you think back to the book of Genesis, we see that chaos and disorder came into the world. And the disciples believed that, Jesus, you came to make things right. You came to put things back in order. And then Jesus dies. We see that Jesus did the unexpected thing. He rose from the grave and he saved all people. He offers forgiveness of sins through his death. The disciples are, going to ask, are asking, you know, when is everything going to be restored? And we see that Jesus says, only God knows the time and the hour, but you are now going to be part of this restoration because now you and me, we're together. And so we see these disciples, these Jesus followers, are now this resistance. And Jesus commissioned them to be his witnesses. Now in our story, there's this evil force, <laughs> we could say, of this political empire, Rome, who joined with these Jewish uh, religious leaders. Oftentimes, uh, if we think about Judaism in that day, it was kind of like a lot of Christianity we experience today. There's a lot of different denominations. And all of a sudden, this, this Jewish uh, messianic sect comes up, and we see that Jesus' followers of the way are now starting to stir the water a little bit. They're saying that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the one who came. 
and they're starting to think, oh, this is really shaking the water. They didn't expect it to grow like wildfire because it wasn't about the disciples and what they were doing. It was about the power of the Holy Spirit working in them. And so this term Christianity doesn't come till later, but I'm still going to refer to it. Um, these Jewish religious leaders thought that these disciples were false teachers. They thought they were leading people astray. And that's where we jump into our Bible reading today with this character, Saul of Tarsus. In Acts chapter 8, we see Saul call for the stoning of a disciple named Stephen. And then we jump right into our Bible reading from Acts 9. Now, Saul, you may know um, him by his Roman name. Uh, he, his Saul is his Hebrew name, and we know um, that he is later referred to as Paul, which is uh, his Roman name. And maybe you've gone by two names. I have gone by two names my entire life. For the first 22 years of my life, I went by the name Shep. And some of you are like, that's so strange. I've called you Haley for the past four years. Um, but that was just my context. I grew up with two best friends who were also named Haley, and so we had to mix it up. But my grandfather was named Shep, my dad was named Shep, and there was no girls from the family, or no boys in the family, so I was called Shep. I was just the firstborn, and that was the name that was given to me. And then when I changed context, I moved up to Ames, I went by my first name, Haley. And so I understand Paul in this sense of having that, those dual names, but I'll refer to Saul, I refer to Paul as Saul in this story because it is what he goes by. And so we see that Saul, we read in Philippians 3, 5, uh, these are his words. He says, when I was circumcised at eight, eight days old, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I'm a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience of the Jewish law. So this was a big problem. These Jesus followers are going around saying, you don't have to follow the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. We are given grace. We're given this promise of forgiveness. And Paul and Saul is not about that. He's not about this story that if you believe in Jesus, you can be saved. It's not by your own works. It's not by anything you can do. It's not by anything you can be. It's a gift. It's given freely to you. We oftentimes see in scripture this call to repent and be baptized. This is how you have a relationship with Jesus how you are restored in relationship with God. You just believe. And so later in Acts, we see Paul reflecting on his actions in this story. He says, I used to think that everything, I used to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus. Many times I had to punish in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them, I even chased them down in foreign cities. So I was writing this, I was asking myself, Saul being this religious man committed to the law, of God, does he consult with God before he goes after these people, before he persecutes these Jesus followers? I think sometimes we can get so lost in our mission, in our fight, in our opinion, that we lose sight of who we are following. And so instead, Paul immediately goes to the high priest. We read in our Bible reading for today. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues and the Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them back, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Now, God shows us time and time again that he is all about freedom. God is not messing around when it comes to freedom. Go ahead and everyone say freedom. freedom. Now, everyone turn to somebody that you didn't come here with and say, God is not messing around. 
we see the sincerity of this comment that God does not mess around when it comes to freedom. And so Paul, as he's Saul, excuse me, I'm going to get those mixed up all day today. Saul, as he continues uh, to Damascus, is on his mission to go ahead and capture these individuals, these Jesus followers. And immediately upon seeing Jesus on this road, he sees this bright light, and he sees Jesus. We can go to the next slide. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. And we read later in scripture that Saul fell to the ground when he experienced this great light. Talk about an awakening. Now, awakening isn't something uh, that you just do. Awakening is something that happens within. It's something that you become aware of. It's something that's revealed in light. That is an awakening. And it happens within us and happens through the power of God. And oftentimes in scripture, Jesus is referred to as that light that awakens the souls of people here. We learn about that unveiling. It's also a theme throughout the Gospel of Luke in our part one of the story of Acts. We see that if we jump back to the Gospel of Luke, we see a story that talks about Jesus being this light. There was a man named Simeon who was a deeply devout man of God, and he says um, to Jesus' parents as they come into the synagogue, he says to them, God, I have seen your salvation. When he lays his eyes on Jesus, he says, you have prepared the salvation for all people. He is a light to reveal God to all the nations and is the glory of your people, Israel. It continues on. Jesus' parents were amazed at these words. And he continues and he says, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. It sounds like it's just right out of a Star Wars film, and that's what I love about it, too. This passage informs us of what's going on. Will Saul fall? Will he rise? Will he continue to oppress God's people? Jesus is fulfilling what he promised. This gift of salvation, this gift of forgiveness, is meant for all people. Even this man who is violently opposing Jesus' followers, who is killing them. And so we see that Jesus puts a stop to this in our story. But before this happens, Jesus does it in a very unique way, in a way that only Jesus would know how. As Saul fell to the ground, we see this next slide. We see Jesus say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Not, why are you persecuting my people? Why are, you not pers- why are you persecuting my sheep? Why are you persecuting my Jesus followers, followers of the way? He says, why are you persecuting me? He goes on to say, Saul asks, who are you, Lord? And Jesus, the voice replies, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. There's one thing we learn about scripture is that repetition matters. Repetition means there's something vastly important and we need to pay attention. We see Saul's name said twice. We see this theme of persecution of why are you persecuting me two times? This is important. Saul is called by name. This is someone that belongs to God. And then we see that Jesus, this inclusive, we are the body of Christ. We see that when you are chased after, when you are chased down, that person's chasing after Jesus. When someone says something rude to you, they're saying that to Jesus too. When we cause harm, 
to our fellow believers in Christ, to our fellow brothers and sisters, to our, family, to our fellow family members in Christ, we are doing that to Jesus too because we are all connected. Jesus says, I am in them and they are in me. And we need to be reminding each other of that every chance we can get. Jesus reminds Saul, I know you just by saying his name twice. But Saul, there's still some confusion. Who are you, Lord? That doesn't necessarily mean Saul knows that this is Jesus at that moment. That word Lord actually could mean just sir. And so we start to see that the picture becomes clearer for Saul of who this is. But Jesus makes it clear. I see you. I understand you. It's my power that binds us. See yourself and understand that God dwells within you. It seems like there's been a lot of drawing of lines in our world today and even in our lives of God's with me, not with you. This is God's plan. That's not God's plan. It's not up to us. Instead, we should be doing what the Jesus way and it's erasing those lines. And so we see that we're, we really don't discard accountability. It doesn't mean that we just allow everyone to say this is God's way and, and trust that. No, there needs to be accountability, especially like the story with Saul as he's persecuting these believers. But it's important to remember that we are baptized. We have been sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ now and forever. Those words are important and they are powerful and they are true. It means that when we're broken, we have a healer. It means that when we're defeated, Jesus is our victory. It means that when we're lost, Jesus chases after us and is ready to lead us. I love that Jesus always asks this question of, you know, why? Why are you persecuting me? Because Jesus knows. Jesus knows our hearts better than anyone, and we understand that a little bit better in this passage from Isaiah chapter 50 that talks about how unstoppable God is. It says, who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant? If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. That is going to be Saul's next challenge here. And we read that in the book of Isaiah, in the next verse, actually in verse 11, it says this warning. But watch out, you who live in your own light, and warm yourselves by your own fires. This is the reward you will receive from me. You will soon fall down. Do you feel like you're using your own light? Are you exhausted? Are you cold because you've been trying to warm yourself by your own fire instead of relying on the power of God to light you up, to fill you up, to awaken you? Do you trust God? Do you rely on God? These are all the questions filling this one story, and it will be Saul's next challenge. Whose light is guiding your feet? You see that Saul has a chance to respond and do both but in a very unexpected way. My mother always said to me when she was doing something wild or unusual that I didn't quite understand, she would always tell me, you know, there's a method to the madness. You'll see, you'll see it later. When it all comes to fruition, you'll finally get it. There's a method to the madness. And I'm constantly telling myself in this group that when I read scripture because a lot of times it doesn't make sense until Jesus comes in, until God's power shines through. And so we see in Acts 9, 
that Jesus tells Saul, get up, rise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And Saul picked himself up off the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. There he remained blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Saul had to depend on God. Saul had to rely on God. And we see here that in three days he did not eat or drink. That's pointing us back to Jesus. That's pointing us back to the three days that Jesus died and rose from the dead. We see that it's not Saul's power. It's by God's power he rises. But no, Saul, you're not going to go forward this time. Depending on your own fire, depending on your own light, you are going to go without sight. And you are going to be led into the city. And I will show you what's going to happen. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision saying, and Ananias responded, yes, Lord, he replied. And we see that Ananias responds in faith. What do you need, God? I'll give you anything. But then we start to see that the Lord says, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas, where you, when you get there, ask for a man named Tarsus, a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. Jesus proves again what this is all about. Saul is led to the city. He relies on God. Ananias responds, yes, Lord, how can I help? We see later on that Ananias now finds out who Saul of Tarsus is, and he's kind of like, whoa, I'll help, but not for that man. Are you sure that guy? That guy? The same guy who probably came here to kill me? You want me to help him? That's the kind of love for the Jesus movement. That's the kind of love and response and faith we get to experience and have. But God works with us even if we doubt. Are you sure, God? That's what you want me to do. And we see Saul's faith in this moment. Yeah, Saul, that guy. He's praying to me right now. And we get to see a larger purpose. For Saul, this is more than just a change of heart. We get to see a new calling. And then we get to see in Acts 9.15. I'm going to read it for you here. The next step for Saul. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument. Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, to the kings, as well as all the people of Israel. I'm going to go ahead and have the lights come down. Saul is a chosen instrument, and so I had a perfect way to show what this chosen instrument looks like. This is it, and I don't have any saber moves for you today because I didn't practice, and I'm not in a very intimidating outfit, uh, but that's what this is all about, the chosen instrument. Now you'll never forget who you are. That's what we are. That's what that lightsaber represents. You are the light, and Saul gets the opportunity to be that. Because Jesus says, I chose you from the beginning. You have always belonged to me. You are my chosen instrument to bring my love, my peace to the world around you, to share this message. And so we see in our story from Star Wars, uh, this different instrument that represents uh, light and power, um, but a lightsaber is used by these people in Star Wars called the Jedi. There are these people that have access to this mysterious force of the universe. It's this force that connects anything and everything together. 
Sounds a lot like the power of God in the body of Christ, right? And so they have these lightsabers that they use to defend themselves. To bring peace to the galaxy is the goal. And so we see that Rey in our story finds out that she's a Jedi, that she has this power of the Force, and she encounters a chosen instrument, a lightsaber. And we get to see her come to this calling. Let's go ahead and let's take a look. I shouldn't have gone in there. That lightsaber was Luke's and his father's before him, and now it calls to you. I have to get back to Jack. Han told me. Dear child, I see your eyes. You already know the truth. Whomever you're waiting for on Jakku, they're never coming back. But there's someone who still could. Look, the belonging you seek is not behind you, it is ahead. I am no Jedi, but I know the Force. It moves through and surrounds every living thing. Close your eyes. Feel it. The light. It's always been there. It will guide you. The saber. Take it. I love in that last clip we see rise. Now, if you know the movies well, you know that there's some ups and downs to her journey, but we see that belonging is right in front of you, like she said. We see that this force is awakened in her. We see the power of God rests in her. And we take a look at that clip where not only is she awakened, she starts to see it click. That this is powerful. This is a calling. This is what I was made for. The light has always been there. Let it guide you, we saw in that clip. And so we see what happens when we let the light of God guide us, when we let the light of God fill us up. We read this, this is what happens to Saul. Ananias stands over him, and he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Regain your sight so that you can follow me. Regain your sight so you can see that you were made for so much more than persecuting these people. You were called to lead these people. We see that Saul, who's now named Paul later on in the story, he writes 
majority of the New Testament. We see letter after letter. We see that he's called and commissioned. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Not only does he experience this extreme internal change, he receives a calling. Yes, let God transform your hearts and your minds, but see what's next. See the bigger purpose of what you were called to do and be as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ. We see on this next slide here, instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Now I know many of you in this room have been baptized and I know some of you haven't. If you would like that opportunity, absolutely. That could be one of the most joyous experiences that we would love to accompany you on because it's a gift. It's a gift as you are dunked in the water as your old self, covered in sin. You break that water, you rise, you are a new creation, a new being who is found in forgiveness. And that continues throughout our entire life. The Holy Spirit within us continues to forgive our sins so that we can continue to love, so that we can continue to have freedom and joy and peace. Accept it, receive it, believe it. And if you would like to be baptized, if you would like to be marked by God and sealed with the Holy Spirit, we invite you to come talk to us. We would love to walk, you, walk with you through that. Anyone can be baptized. At any age, that's always the question we get. I'm not a baby anymore. It's okay. In the book of Acts, actually, entire households were baptized. That's why we baptize people from all ages. Let that truth sink in. You are forgiven. The Holy Spirit fills you. The Holy Spirit overflows within you. Rely on God. Trust God. Receive your calling. We'll talk about more what that calling looks like and what we can be as instruments of God, as chosen instruments of God in our next week's sermon series that we're going to kick off. But we're going to end with a song that's called you, keep, you Just Keep Getting Better. Now, some of you maybe have experienced that with your relationship with God. It just keeps getting better. And for other, other of those of you, maybe it's been hard. Maybe it's been up and down. I know my relationship has been. But what's great is when we follow the way of Jesus, it just keeps getting better. When we arise and we trust God, it will just keep getting better. When we reject our light and say, that's no use to me, and trust the light of God, it will just keep getting better, and that's a promise. Experience the fullness of God's gift for you, a forgiveness of salvation, and share that with others. Depend on God, trust on God. You haven't experienced that yet. If you desire it, if you need it, sing this song with us. Let it be a proclamation of this is what I need, God. And surrender like we see Saul do. Amen.